0: Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor and no suspects I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times and I survived my story didn't end that frightful night this attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years I'm Amanda Bedard and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Two more murders, 15 miles we'll away survive, we the hey. and electricity weird... Described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Religion. Morning. Of Murder. Sometimes, people kill just to kill. Mob mentality takes over and can have deadly consequences. On December 24th, 1992, Christmas Eve, a man and his self-proclaimed downtown posse began their killing spree that would later be dubbed the Christmas Killings. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Marvelous King was a former choir boy turned head of the downtown posse who returned to Dayton after spending 18 months in L.A. trying to overcome his rage after the murder of his brother. He was only 19 years old when he and his gang of juveniles decided to rob an acquaintance on December 24, 1992. With him were Laura Taylor, who knew the intended victim, and Heather N. Matthews. Laura told Matthews that she arranged for the three of them to go to Joseph Wilkerson's home under the pretext of an orgy, and while inside, they would flip the script and rob the man. So, when the threesome arrived, Joseph Wilkerson was happy to invite them in. They drank and chatted for a bit before Laura led Joseph to the bedroom with Marvelous and Heather following shortly after. As Joseph undressed and the girls slowly did the same, Marvelous prepared to pull his pants down, but instead grabbed his gun and pointed it at his target. He ordered Joseph onto the bed and told the girls to tie him up. Helpless, Joseph watched on as a trio went through the house looking for things to steal. They took what they wanted, which wasn't much, and loaded it all into Joseph's car. Marvelous King then came back into the room and shot Joseph Wilkerson, who was only 34 years old, with his own 32 caliber Derringer. Upon hearing the shot, the girls returned to the bedroom before Marvelous commanded Laura to shoot him in the head and finish the job. They left in Joseph's car, and Marvelous warned the women not to tell fellow member Wendy Cottrell and Marvin Washington. Later that same night, Marvelous, Laura, and DeMarcus Smith went for a walk carrying guns. While out, they came across 18-year-old Danita Gillette, who was using a public payphone. Whether it be his pent-up anger over his brother or the high he was still feeling from killing Joseph Wilkerson— Marvelous King was ready to continue his spree. They went up to the girl, forced her at gunpoint to take her shoes off. The two men then shot her, stole her shoes and jacket, and fled the scene. When they returned home, Laura Taylor was wearing the girl's jacket. Later, DeMarcus Smith, for reasons unknown, shot Heather Matthews' boyfriend, Jeffrey Wright. On the 25th, Christmas Day, Marvelous returned to Joseph Wilkerson's home and stole more items, including another car. Then, Laura Taylor decided she had her own score to settle and went to the home of her ex-boyfriend, 19-year-old Richard Maddox, where she murdered the boy and robbed his home. On the 26th, Demarcus Smith drove the stolen Pontiac to a BP station where he and Marvelous stole a stranger's car at gunpoint. She survived, and the group drove off. Later that morning, they all drove to a mini-mart and, after realizing there weren't many inside, grabbed their guns and went in. Sarah Abraham, 38, was a clerk at the store that her parents owned. She was forced at gunpoint to open the register when she handed over all it contained, which was just $40 in cash. Marvelous shot her in the head. She initially survived the attack, where she was shot once through her mouth and another into the top of her head, but died several days later in the hospital. DeMarcus shot two other storegoers, Jones Petis and Edward Thompson. Both survived, and both were able to later testify. Not only that, but they were able to give police a pretty good description of their attackers and the car they were driving. At this time, police had no idea about the others who had died at the hands of the downtown posse. No one had reported Joseph Wilkerson missing, no one knew his car, the one they used as a getaway was stolen. They did, however, notice that the bullets left behind were similar to those left at the phone booth murder of Danita Gillette. Their crimes were beginning to connect and, hopefully, catch up to them. By this time, paranoia began to set in, and Laura and DeMarcus began discussing how they thought fellow member, 16-year-old Wendy Cottrell, may be snitching on them. So DeMarcus, Laura, and Marvelous drove and picked up Wendy and 18-year-old Marvin Washington, drove them to a gravel pit, and ordered them out of the car. The pair insisted that they did not go to police and would never snitch on their friends, but the group was too far gone. They were forced to walk behind a pile of gravel where Marvelous Keene shot Wendy Cottrell and DeMarcus Smith shot Marvin Washington. Tips were coming into police left and right. One of these calls was from a man and a fellow member of the posse, Nicholas Woodson. He gave the names of DeMarcus Smith and Heather Matthews, but could only describe Marvelous Keene and Laura Taylor. He did give descriptions of the cars they were driving, two of which were stolen from Joseph Wilkerson. And, speaking of Joseph, he informed them that another body they had yet to find in a home off Salem Avenue. He had been taken there by the gang for a party while the man lay there dead. With his help and the help from some neighbors in identifying the car they drove, police were able to locate them around 2.45 on the 26th. Parked next to it was the blue Pontiac registered to Joseph Wilkerson. As the officer radioed for information on the cars, One took off and began a chase. Eventually, the officers and backup ordered the suspects out of the car, and they all came out slowly and peacefully. The grand jury indicted Marvelous Keene on eight counts of aggravated murder, six of aggravated robbery, one of aggravated burglary, two of kidnapping, and two of attempted murder. He chose to be tried by a three-judge panel rather than a jury and was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to death. Due to their age, Demarcus Smith and Laura Taylor were ineligible for death penalty and are both serving prison sentences in excess of 100 years. Heather Matthews was indicted on two capital murder charges, but was granted a plea deal for her testimony. On July 21, 2009, Marvelous Keene was executed by lethal injection.